0: me off. <laughs> that was my spotlight right there. They cut me off. It's all right. Isaiah 54 verses two and three. Enlarge the sight of your tent. Let your tent curtains be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep for you will spread out to the right and to the left and your descendants will dispossess nations. Inhabit the desolate city. You see that is the command that God gave to the nation of Israel after revealing what He was going to do through the mission of the Messiah. And, and God was telling the nation of Israel that He was doing great things, and He was preparing them for these wonderful things. And they just needed to start preparing for them. And, and that they, God was going to do things even beyond what they could do in their imagination. So He's telling them to make room. and He's telling them to enlarge the side of the tent. He's telling them to stretch out their tent curtains. He's telling them to lengthen their ropes and drive their pegs deep to stretch out to the right and to the left to the cities that are around them. And in that video, even though you didn't get to see my spotlight there at the end, you got to see a bird's eye view of our right and our left. You got to see a bird's eye view of the city of Cleveland and the places that our church is called to influence and impact. And some of these places that we're called to lengthen our ropes to. And uh, this has been a, a, thank you. This has been a a topic of conversation actually within these walls for months. And we've been talking about lengthening our ropes. We've been talking about uh, doing these different projects and all of these things. And so today is going to be a little different because today we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to ask you to join with us. And we're going to ask you to, to commit to this. And so we're going to ask you to join us and lengthen our robes to meet the needs that God has given of the vision of this church. And so if you've got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn to uh, Exodus chapter 35. Um, and chapter 35, as you're there, let me give you a little bit of background. All right? and many of you know the story of Exodus and uh, the people of Israel had been slaves in the nation of Egypt and God has brought them out and he miraculously brought them out of this slavery and out of this bondage and uh, through doing all kinds of amazing things and and plagues that uh, the uh, leader said, hey, you guys, you really need to get out of our country. And it wasn't too long after they got out of the country, they were freed from this slavery, uh, that the leader of Egypt decided, hey, this probably wasn't such a good financial decision. And so what we need to do is we need to go back and we need to get those people back. And so he sends the army of Egypt after the Israelites, to chase them down and to force them back into oppression, to force them back into slavery. But as they do that, God does what only God can do. He makes a way when there is no other way. And so as the Israelites are trapped between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army, God opens up the Red Sea and He allows the people of Israel to walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. And as the Egyptians see this opening, they see this canal that there used to be water there, but there's not any water there. They start chasing after the Israelites. And God closes the Red Sea back on them and He wipes out the entire Egyptian army. This is the God that they see. This is the God that they are following. He leads them there to a mountain. And on this mountain, The people stand around the base of the mountain. Moses goes up on top. He's their leader. He goes up on top of the mountain. And he has conversations with God. And this is where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments and where God gives Moses the laws of the nation of Israel and says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to be holy. And this is what that looks like. This is what's required of you. This is what it looks like for you as a nation to prosper. And he gives him this vision of this tabernacle. And he says, listen, you have this vision. I'm giving you all of the, these things. This is the, the picture that I want you to see. And so Moses knows this is God's command. This is what God wants for us. You see, because the tabernacle is not just a tent. It is a physical representation of God's presence for them, and so He tells them, "Go down and, and tell the people to give and to contribute to this." And so Moses knows that in order to reach this vision, he's got to talk to the people because the people are going to be part of this vision that God has given them for this tabernacle, this tent of meeting, this tent of worship. And so, in the first part. Of chapter 35, God or Moses calls all the people together and he, he tells them all the things that God has shown him in this vision of this tent of worship. And really, it is this, this mobile church that they can pack up and they can move. And uh, as they move across from one area to another, making their way to the promised land. And then in chapter 35, he calls this big meeting, he calls them all together, and he gives them this challenge to kind of open their hearts in their ears, to listen to what God is asking them as individuals to do to meet these needs. And so this is where we're going to pick up the story in Exodus 35. We're going to start in verse 20 of our text this morning. Verse 20 says, After they called them all together, they had this meeting. Verse 20, Then the entire Israelite community left Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meetings. For all the service and of the holy garments, both men and women came. And all who had willing hearts brought brooches and earrings, rings, necklaces, and all kinds of gold jewelry. Everyone who gave way, who, excuse me, who waved a presentation offering of gold to the Lord. Everyone who had possession of, pur- of blue and purple and scarlet yarn, fine linen or goat hair, ram skin dyed red, or manatee's skin brought them. Everyone making an offering of gold or bronze brought it as a contribution to the Lord. And everyone who purchased or who possessed a kea wood, useful for any task in the work, brought it. Every skilled woman spun yarn with her hands and brought it blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts were moved spun the goat hair by virtue of their skill. The leaders brought onyx and gemstones to mount into the, on the Ephod and the breastplate, as well as the spices of oil for the light and the anointed oil and the fragrance incense. And so the Israelites brought a free will offering to the Lord and all the men and women whose hearts prompted them to bring something for all the work that the Lord, through Moses had commanded to be done. Moses then said to the Israelites, "Look, the Lord has anointed or appointed them by name." Bezla the son of Ur the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah and he has filled him with God's spirit with wisdom and understanding and the ability of every kind of craft to design artistic works of gold silver and bronze and to cut gemstones for mounting and carve wood for work and every kind of artistic craft he has also given both him and Olub the son of Someone in the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others, and he filled them with skills to do all the work of gem cutting, a designer, an embroiderer of of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and a weaver, and they can do all kinds of craft and design artistic designs. These two guys and all their skilled people and all works and everything the Lord had commanded. And the Lord gave them wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the work to construct the sanctuary. And so Moses summoned these guys and every skilled person in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom. And everyone whose heart moved in them to come to the work and do it. Then t- they took from Moses' presence all the contributions of the Israelites that brought for the task of making the sanctuary Meanwhile, the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came one by one from the work they were doing, and said to Moses, "The people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work of the Lord's command to be done." After Moses gave an order, they sent a proclamation throughout the camp, "Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary." So the people stopped. The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work and there was more than enough. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that we mean every word that we sing. Here we are making room for you. God, forgive us for the fact that we have to make room for You because You should be first. God, forgive us for the fact that we have to make room when You made room for us. God, above everything else that happens today, God, we pray that You are exalted. That we surrender to You and we lift You up And we give you the place that only you deserve, Father. And so God, in this time that we have together, I pray that we mean what we said. Here we are. Surrendered to you, Father. And so God, I pray that you speak. I pray that you open our hearts. And we open our ears to hear the message that you have for us as a church. But also to hear the message that you have for us as families. And individuals as part of what you called us to do, Father. God, I pray that we as leaders have done what you called us to do. And that, God, we give this to you. And I pray for obedience and willful hearts to participate, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Several years ago, my wife and I, uh, we got invited to take a tour Um, and possibly become members of a campground. And since we had recently bought a camper, we thought, well, you know, there's no harm in going to take a look at this campground. And so we, we went we drove the distance. We went and uh, they put us on this little golf cart and they drove us all around the campground. They showed us all these sites and the sites they had, or the uh, campsites they had, and they showed us this area over here. and, this, and They had future plans over here they we were going to add on, future plans over there. Then they showed us the playground and they showed us the, the horseshoe pits, they showed us the fishing pond, the swimming hole. Which, um, let me be clear, those are two the swimming pool and the fishing hole were two different parts, right? So, two different things there in the campground. In Soaks County, those are the same thing, but in this campground, those were different, right? You had a fishing pond and then you had a swimming pool. And they showed us all of these different sites and all these different parts of the campground. And so they showed us everything that we would have access to and everything, that all the good stuff of this. And it was really nice. And the people were super friendly. And and all the stuff that there was to do at camp. And, And so as the tour ended, they took us back to kind of the office area. And they had this small little lunch prepared for us. And everybody was so nice. And then came the moment of truth. Because after they showed you all the nice stuff... And they said, if you'll just step over in this room, we'll talk to you about the membership part. And so my wife and I stepped into this room and, there was a, ch- a table about this size and maybe a little bit bigger than this. And, and there were two chairs on this side and one chair on that side. And so April and I sat on this side and our gentleman sat on that side. And he began to show us pictures of all these other campgrounds and, and all of these other amenities and all these future plans at this campground. And he began to tell us that, you know, if we were members of this campground, we could have access to this campground and this campground. It wouldn't cost us anything extra if we just... And he began to show us all these other things that we didn't see on the tour. And he says, all right, so here's the deal. Normally, the membership that I'm showing you right now would be this price. But since you came in for this tour today, we're going to give it to you for this price. And April and I just kind of looked at each other and we said, well, that's way different than we were thinking. Uh, so thank you for your time and thank you for lunch. And that just, that, that's well beyond what we were thinking, well beyond what we were even considering. He said, well, hold on, hold on. Let me let me give you another option. And so he began to take stuff off the table, off the maybe you don't have this campground, maybe you don't have this campsite, maybe you can only do this. And and he says, normally this would would be this price, but since you came in today, we're gonna let you have this one for this price. And again, April and I looked at each other and we're like, no, it's just really we're just really that's more than we were thinking. That's not what we were considering, so thank you so much. And he said, Well hold on. We can finance this. And April and I were like, no, we are not interested in financing this at all. Like, that, that's, that wasn't even on the radar. That wasn't even part of the discussion. And he said, well, okay, I'll tell you what. Here's what I can do for you. And he said, he laid out this final plan, and, and he says, if you do this now, if you agree to this program, if you'd agree to this membership right now, I'll do it for this price. And I said, hmm no, just don't think we're going to do it. And he said, well, you need to understand that if you walk out that door, you're never going to get this price again. And I said, well, I mean, I'm fine with that. And he said, no, listen, I don't think you understand. Like, I know you like this. I know we had this view. He said, listen, if you walk out that door, if you call back tomorrow, it's going to be this price, which is almost double the price I'm giving you right now. So you need to go ahead and sign these papers and let's do this deal right now. And so I'm just going to tell you, what my response was my response was no because i have this personal philosophy that i don't walk into a room that i have to make a decision while i'm in that room right and so i'm just going to go ahead and tell you that i I have this philosophy and this personal policy and uh, that if if i have to give you an answer on this decision right now the answer is no Right? And it's, I just do that. And so I, I say that because if the deal is as good for me as you're trying to convince me that it is, then guess what? It's going to be just as good tomorrow or just as good next week. All right, And if it's not, then either you were lying to me or I didn't need it in the first place. And so if I have to come up with an answer right now, the answer is no. All right. And feel free to use that. And anytime you're in one of those pressured situations, feel free to use that anytime that somebody says, you've got to act now. And I don't know if you've ever been in those situations where you've got to act now. This is the deal. And if you're not going to act now, then it's going to go away. And, and right now, some of you are thinking, yes, because you've seen every infomercial there is. And every infomercial out there says, hey, there's, here's the product, here's what we're going to do. And, and now we're going to give this to you. But if you call within the next 30 minutes, we're going to give you double this. I'm like, well, if it's so good, why do I really need two of them? But now you offer double of them. Right? And then if you call in the next 30 minutes, we're going to add this for And then they're going to add this. In. And so you're going to have all this extra stuff. But you've got to do what? You've got to act now. And I don't know about you, but I hate feeling like I'm being coerced into something. I hate feeling like I've got to act now. And so I just have this personal policy that the, if I have to make a decision right now, then the answer is no, and I've got to be honest with you, I feel the same is true whether it's my personal finances or I feel like the same is true whether I'm talking about my personal finances or the success of any capital campaign or any church decision that we make. That if we feel like we have to make that decision right now, then maybe the answer should be no. That if we can't walk away from, and let's be honest, we as Christians, if you can't walk away from a table or a decision and say, let me have time to pray about this and think about this, then your answer should be very clearly no. All right? And so the success of any capital campaign honestly has to come down to a desire of the people to give, rather than this coercion. And so I want to be very clear that that what we are doing is what we see in Scripture, that that we are seeing this pattern in Scripture when we build this tabernacle, when we lengthen our robes, we are following this pattern in Scripture that we want to this happen out of desire instead of coercion. I want you to look back with me. To part of the text that we didn't read, and I know I read a rather lengthy part of that text, but I want you to look back when in we verse 4 and verse 5 of chapter 35. And we didn't read those verses, but I want to point back to them for just a moment. Verse 4 says, Then Moses said to the entire community, This is what the Lord has commanded. All right? And so I told you before, when we kind of gave that background, Moses calls this really big meeting, and he says, Hey, here's what God says for us to do. Right? There's this command, here's what God's commanded us to do. And then in verse 5, he says this is what God said. In verse 5, God commands them to take up an offering among you for the Lord. Let everyone whose heart is willing bring it, bring this as the Lord's offering. And then he goes on to list all the things that they need to build the tabernacle. He lists all the needs... That are there. And so the command that God gives them is to take up an offering. But I want you to notice the command is not a set amount of money. The command is not specific. This person needs to bring this. The command is simply an invitation. You need to provide an opportunity. The command is for everybody who's willing to give. The command is to take up an offering, not that it's certain, uh, not to, that it's a required amount. It's simply take up this offering. But the givers of the offering are those who are willing to do it, right, there's not coercion here, there's not a command to give to this, there's not a requirement to give here, and he says anybody whose heart is willing to bring, right, now I want you to see something special about this word heart here, because heart, and we talked about Valentine's Day, and uh, we were kind of joking about Valentine's Day is coming up on Tuesday, right, so if you didn't know that, put that on your calendar, man, Valentine's Day on Tuesday, right. and if you need to reschedule it, that's okay, you just talk to your wife beforehand, all right. Tell the pastor said it's fine. So anyway, this idea of heart and emotion, but the word that he uses for heart here can be the center of emotion. It actually means the, the entire inner being of a person. Right. So it does include our emotions, but it includes so much more than that. It includes our, our memory. It includes our knowledge. It includes our thinking and our reasoning. And so I want you to understand that when he uses this word, he's not just saying this, this emotional Plead. He's not making this emotional plea and trying to play on your heartstrings, right? This is not the sad puppy commercial with the emotional music playing in the background where they just say for a dollar a day, you can make a difference if you'll call right now, right? That's not at all what he's saying. He's saying if your heart is desiring to do this, and not just your heart, this is not an emotional plea. This is something I want you to think about. This is something I want you to reason through. This is something I want you to remember what God has done in the past. And see that he's faithful in the future. And so he's calling on every part of their being, every part of them, not just their emotions. This is everything. And so there's not this pressure to respond right now. There's not this passing of the offering plate. And we're not leaving here until we get everything we need. None of that. This simply is this command to allow for an opportunity to participate or not. And then he leaves it up to the people. And this opportunity really is for them, whether they're really going to have this personal conversation between their heart and their soul and God or not. And I want you to see how the people respond down in verse 20. That's where we picked up the reading. You see, there's no coercion of them doing this. In verse 20, Moses calls this meeting. And everybody comes. And they hear the needs. And they hear the plan. In verse 20, it says, The entire Israelite community left Moses' presence. So he makes this grand proposal. He tells them all of these things that God has told them to do. And this is the tabernacle. And this is what's going to be in the tabernacle. And then they all leave. And he's probably thinking, this is the worst capital campaign speech ever. Because I've given you all the vision, and all of a sudden everybody walks out. But I want you to understand, they had the opportunity to walk out. Because God wasn't coercing them to do it. God wasn't making them do it. He makes this point very clear That if you're going to do it, you're going to do this because you want to, not because you have to. And so I want you to see that they don't stay gone forever. And verse 21 shows that they actually come back. Verse 21 says, whoever or everyone whose heart was moved and whoever's spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meetings and for all its services and for a holy Garments, And so those who gave, gave because they wanted to. They gave because they had this desire to give. They gave to respond to this need that God had given them. And they gave because they wanted to contribute to what God was doing. Listen to me. I want you to understand what they're giving to. They're giving to the tent of meeting, which for them is the very representation of God's presence. And so for them, they have this massive desire. We want to see God's presence. We want to have this place of community and fellowship. We want to have this place where we can draw near to God and we can sense His presence. We want to be close to God. This is their desire. And so this is what they are giving to. And so I want to take this moment to share with you that that we have done everything we can to follow this pattern. And not a single person in this room or watching online, we don't want anyone to feel like we are begging for money or coercing you out of anything. Because the reality is that we are following God's command to give you an opportunity. And we are following God's command to say, here's what God's called us to do. And the rest is between you and God. And so we're simply giving you an opportunity today to participate with us in what God is doing. If your heart's willing and He's prompted you in the Spirit, then do it. But i got to be honest with you. If He hasn't, then don't. Right? We're not going to coerce you, we're not going to do anything, and we've done everything we can to make it as, as individual and private between you and God as we can. And so I want to say the success of any capital campaign is simply what the Spirit is talking to you to do. And it's not going to be accomplished by me standing up here telling you and convincing you and saying, if you act now, we can do this. It is simply a conversation between you and what God has done in your heart. It's simply a conversation between your heart and what God has laid on your heart. And so I want to be clear that in a little while, we're going to take up these commitment cards. And if you say, hey, I'm just not ready today, it's fine. And if you say, hey, I'm going to put this much on there, but I'm kind of nervous about it, it's fine. And if you say, hey, listen, I really want to be part of what God's doing here, but I can't contribute a dime to it, it's fine. You see, what we find is the desire is there. And the desire is what's more important. And when we desire to do what God calls us to do, when we desire to be close to God, when we desire to see God working in and through our church that we love, then I believe this desire will lead to our participation. And we're going to see mass participation. Participation, I honestly believe that God has been speaking to many of you and prompting your hearts over these last few weeks and honestly months that we've been talking about this. And and so God hasn't been talking to just a few of us. I think He's been talking and speaking and leading all of us in one way or another to respond to what He's been doing. You see, the success of this campaign is not that five people are going to give all the money and all the things that are needed. It's there's going to be a mass participation in what God has called us to do. And you see, that's what makes the success in the building of the tabernacle that, that everybody was contributing to. It. And he commands this, hey, provide this opportunity and they'll let everyone who's willing participate in any way that they can. And the results is this open invitation and this mass participation by the people. You see, when the people start coming back, when they start bringing back their gifts, it's not just a few people. It's not just the wealthy people. In fact, he makes it pretty clear. This is a fairly universal participation in this thing. And he does this by a couple of different ways. He points out first a few different groups or categories of people who participate in this offering. In verse 22, God says that both men and women came. And all who had willing hearts brought brooches and earrings and rings and necklaces and all kinds of gold jewelry. And so I want you to understand that he's not just men participating. It's not just women participating. Right? And without getting in this modern debate of, of what else is out there, let me just say that's all that's out there, okay? You're either one or those, one or the other of those, right? That's all there is, right? So what he's telling you is that there's not a group you belong to that is not participating in this, right? Then he leads this other group that, that is happening as well. And he skipped down to verse 27. This other group participating, he says, the leaders brought onyx and gemstones and put in the ephrod in the, bre- in the breast piece, breastpiece. Right? And so you've got men participating, you've got women participating, you've got the leaders participating. And so what he makes clear is, listen, there's nobody who's excluded from participating in this. That gender doesn't exclude you from participating. Rank and title doesn't exclude you from participating. Even a financial situation doesn't exclude you from participating. This is not just an invitation to wealthy and powerful people. This is not just an invitation to those who have extra money laying around. This is not just an invitation to those who uh, are are certain titles. This is an invitation to everyone. And to accomplish that, it's going to take everybody participating in many different ways. Which brings up the second way that God makes it clear that this is pretty much universal participation. I've taught you several times in Scripture that if you see a word repeated over and over and over again in a short passage of Scripture, it's done for a reason. So I want you to read with me. Look at this. Actually, we're not going to read it all. I just want to point out this word for you. Everyone. Verse twenty-two: Everyone who waved a presentation offering. Verse twenty-three: Everyone who had in his possession blue, purple, or scarlet yarn. Verse twenty-one or twenty-four: Everyone making an offering of silver or bronze. Everyone possessing acacia wood. A slightly different use of the word in verse twenty-five: Every skilled woman spun yarn with their hand. Verse twenty-six: All the women whose hearts we're moved. You see, even if we take out those last two in verse 25 and 26, there's still four occurrences of this one word, "everyone," in three verses. Guess what? That's a repeated word in a short amount of time. He's trying to get your attention here, right? And what he's trying to get you to participate and see is that everybody is doing something. He doesn't give us this, everybody did this. This is not the IRS telling you this is your tax rate. right? What he's simply saying is that everybody participated in some way or another. And so some people participated in this way, some people gave this, some people gave that. And there were some folks in there that gave massive amount of money. You see those leaders in there, they're giving those gemstones. But you see the others, they didn't give gemstones. And what they gave was not important. It was the fact that they gave. And so there's not this equal amount. There's not this equal thing that not everybody gave yarn, but everybody gave something. And so those that had yarn, they gave yarn. Those that had gold, they gave gold. Those who had goat hair gave goat hair. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know what you do with goat hair, but they gave it. And they apparently spun it and they made fabric out of it. Or made thread out of. And so they did all of these things. And so what they gave was not important as the fact that they did it. And they were willing to do it. And so there's no set amount. There's no set requirement for giving. It's simply that they gave something. And we see this very clearly in verse 29. It kind of sums up this section. Verse 29 says, All the Israelites brought a free will offering. Again, it's not a requirement. This is something they desired to do. They brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose heart prompted them to bring something for all the works that the Lord, through Moses, had commanded to be done. They all brought something. You see, what's true of Israel is true of us today. That he doesn't expect this to work if only a few people to participate. God's given us as a church big ideas and big visions of how we can impact the community around us. And I've got to share with you that this doesn't work with what we call the 80-20 rule in church. Right. Let me share with you, some of you are going to be mad at me, but let me give you the 80-20 rule of church. That 80% of the work of a church is done by 20% of the people. Right. Can I share a secret with you? Financially, 80% of what comes into a church is given by 20% of the people. Right. Now, let me be clear. I don't know who those 20% are, because I don't know anything about who gives anything, and I still won't know anything about who gives anything through this capital campaign. All that's because it's not coercion. It's all designed that way. So let me be clear that if we as a church agree that this is what we're going to do and we've said this is what we think God has called us to do, we as a church voted if we're going to follow this path, then we as a church have to be willing to participate in what God has called us to do. It cannot work if, 80 per, or if 80% of it is given by 20% of the people. Well, maybe it could if all the other 80% at least give something. You see, God doesn't expect it to be inclusive of just a few people. He expects it to be inclusive of everybody. He doesn't expect us to participate all in the same way. There are folks that are going to give large sums to this, and there's others that are going to give something. And let me be honest with you, that something is just as important as that large sum because it's what God laid on your heart to do. And see, He he lays us different things on our hearts and He gives us these different talents and abilities and He gives us different opportunities to be used by Him. And, And so as we go through this capital campaign, it's going to do two things for us. It's going to allow us to use our abilities and talents that God has given us it's also going to use, we're going to have an opportunity to teach those who come after us. You know, the first thing he does is that he gives them the opportunity to use these talents. Right? You see, he calls for this meeting and he says, hey, we need all this material. We need all this stuff. But without some manpower, all that stuff doesn't make a tabernacle. It just makes a pile of stuff. Right? And so he, he has these two special men, and those names are very hard to pronounce, and uh, so we'll just kind of, like I did earlier, we'll just kind of call them these two guys. Um, just because they're Hebrew names I get tripped over on. So these two men, they are, are, are different. They're from different tribes, but God has given them talents. He's given them abilities. In verse 35, it says they are designers and embroiderers of blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and a weaver. And they can do every kind of craft and design artistic designs. These guys are jack of all trades, and they can do it all. Right? They, they can do everything. Right? But I want you to notice in throughout that Scripture... It specifies these two, but these two are just the leaders of a whole group of skilled workmen. right? And so while it gives them the name, it gives these two men these special tasks, these are kind of the overseers of what God has called them to do. And and so listen, throughout this time, there are going to be people who have amazing abilities. And the question is not just are we going to contribute and participate financially, but really are we going to use our talents and abilities that God has given us? You see, we're going to open this coffee shop. And there's going to be a financial cost to this, but there's also this manpower cost to this thing. Are we willing to step into a coffee shop and talk to a stranger, maybe for the very first time? Are you willing to talk in or walk into a coffee shop and kind of read the room and see somebody over there that you just really, maybe you've never met, and maybe you honestly meet somebody who lived three doors down from you and you never even knew it. You see, that's a talent. And that's an ability that God is giving us. Right? There's talents and abilities that people have. There's talents and abilities that we need. People who are willing to show up at a softball game, or willing to lock up after a little league baseball practice. We need people who are willing to to drive a van for youth ministry or for children's ministry. We need people who are willing to drive a van to pick up other people uh, who don't have a rides to church. We need people who are willing to use their abilities beyond what God has given in the, these walls to extend beyond these walls of the church and so let's be honest there's not a person sitting in this room there's not a person watching online that God hasn't given a talent and ability to and the question simply is are you going to let him use it for his glory or not you see but there's one other thing that's often overlooked about these two guys because we look at these two guys and many of us are jealous of these two guys I would love to have all these talents that these two men have and, and I'm fairly good at being a gopher when it comes to construction, right? If you tell me what you need, I'll go for it and I'll bring it back to you, all right? That's what I can do, right? Occasionally, I can cut a few things. Occasionally, I can, I can wire a couple things, but they're, they're skills that I don't have, right? So I'm kind of jealous of some of these men who have these talents and these abilities. But guess what? You don't have to have them to participate in them. Some, sometimes they need gophers. Right? Sometimes they need people just to show up and do things that will help them work faster. But there's something else about these two men. You see, not only are they talented in the works they do with their hands, but they're also teachers. I want you to look in verse 34 of me for just a moment. That these two guys have these abilities to design all this amazing stuff, and then he says at the end of verse 34 that he also gave them the ability to teach others. You say they were good, but these two men couldn't do all this by themselves. They had talents. But they couldn't do all this by themselves. I want you to think, this massive tabernacle they're building, if it was done by two men, would have taken years, probably longer than their lifespan. They couldn't do all that God had commanded. They had the abilities, they had the talents. And so what they have to do? They had to teach other people to do these things. And God gave them ability to teach these other people to do these things. And so I want you to be, you know, see this, that over the course of the next couple years, as we do this capital campaign, I'm praying that we not only use our talents but we also see this as an opportunity to teach. You see, we have an opportunity to teach the next generation what it looks like to trust God. We have an opportunity to teach the next generation what it looks like to make sacrifices. We have an opportunity to teach them what generosity looks like and what sacrifice looks like. We have an opportunity to teach them that there are things that are more important than the gadgets they hold in their hands. I was leading Bible study a couple weeks ago on a Tuesday morning. And one of our, uh, one of our members who is one of our founding members Kind of, we started this conversation and she said that simply this, that God has done miraculous things in this church. That there were things when they were starting this church that they, they said, hey, we don't know how to do this. and We don't know where this is going to come from. But we're simply going to pray that God provides. And one of I think those was a piano player. And you know what found what they had? Three of them showed up. And I tell you that we needed space, we were out of classroom space. And we looked at all these different options. We were looking at different plans of how we could add more space. And all of a sudden, God showed up and He said, hey, there's these two buildings downtown. And I'm going to make them available to you. God does amazing things. And so there's opportunities that we're going to have through the next two years to teach those who don't know how miraculous God is, that don't know what it looks like to love Him and to give to Him according to what He's done for us. You see, when we're obedient... And when we listen and we see these opportunities, we're going to find that what God provides is always more than enough. You see, we're going to be able to give beyond the needs of what we've laid out in this plan. And when we're obedient to what God has laid on our hearts, then the needs will be met. And even more than that, we'll go beyond this current goal that we have. Won't you to see how this story ends. In chapter 36, verse 3, it says, They took from Moses... This present to all the contributions of so the, the craftsmen, they were taking all that the people were bringing and they brought to the task to make the sanctuary. And meanwhile, the people continued to bring the free will offering morning after morning. I want to pause there for just a moment because morning after morning, this was not a one time collection thing. This wasn't something that just happened overnight. It's, it's not that Moses said, Hey, here's what we want. Here's what God laid on our hearts. Here's the direction God's moving us in. And then all the people showed up the next day and said, Boom, here it all is. Now this took a while. It was morning after morning after morning that folks kept bringing the stuff. There's this continual obedience to what God has given them. This continual, this time period that people contributed to it and they were faithful and they were dedicated to what God laid on the their heart. Their desire to be in the presence of God and have this space didn't change over this time. And so morning after morning they kept going. And so in verse 5 it says, that, or in uh, in verse 4, the people came to Moses and they said, Hey, listen, we've got enough. In verse 5, And they said to Moses, The people are bringing more than what is needed to construct the work the Lord's commanded us to do. Hey, Moses, you gave us the blueprints. We've got everything we need. And so verse 6, After Moses gave an order, he sent a proclamation throughout the camp, Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people stopped. In verse 7, The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work. And there was more than enough. You see, when we respond with obedience, we respond with consistency, when we respond with faithfulness, there will be more than enough. Because we're giving from a God who always gave us more than enough. We're giving from a God who always provided beyond what we needed. You see, we're giving from a God Who, as I pointed out last week in Malachi, says, test me. If you don't think it's possible, test me. You give and see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven for you. See if I don't pour out more blessings on you. Can I share a little secret with you? You know what happens after this story? They build the tabernacle and they begin to move through the wilderness. You don't read about starvation happening. We don't read about the people dying of starvation. We don't read about the people who gave all this stuff to God and they didn't have anything else. You know what we have? You see, it's after this that God provides the manna from heaven. It's after this that God provides the quail. It's after this they're walking through the desert and there's rocks that suddenly start, start flowing out water. It's after this that God continues to show them their provision. And so they give and they give and they give. And you know what they find every single time? God is more than enough. And what God has given us is more than enough. And so we're just going to give back part of what He's given us. And if we're obedient, and if we're faithful, then what we give will be sufficient for what God has called us to do. So let me be honest, our invitation is going to be a little different this morning. Normally I would pray and, and we'd have this, uh, the worship team come up and lead us in a song. We would give you a time to respond either here at the altar or uh, however God led you. But our time is going to be a little different because the purpose of our worship is a little different. It's still to exalt Him. It's still to raise Him up. It's still to, to give Him value. But today we want to put feet to the words that we've said. And so our invitation is going to be a little different. It's going to be an invitation for everybody to participate in what we are doing and what God has called us to do. And so what we want you to do is... We're, I'm going to stop talking here just a minute after I give you these instructions, but there's going to be a video that's playing, right? And it's, it's just... Basically, it's just music, actually. It's not even video, right? And what we want you to do is take those commitment cards. You filled them out already. We want you to put them in that, that privacy envelope so that nobody else sees them except the person who's going to open them. And we want you together as a family to pray over that envelope, right? And then when you feel ready... We want you to bring that envelope, and we want you to just put it here on this table. Right? And you don't have to wait for anybody else. Just whenever you're done praying over it, you bring it here to this table. If you don't have that envelope, you don't have that card with you, then there's some in the back, and, and you can go grab one there, and you can fill that out. Right? Now, like I said, if you're saying, hey, I'm just not ready today, or I want to be part of what God's doing, but I can't do it financially, then do it through prayer. So take that same envelope, put that card in there, put your name on it if you want to, and just put praying on it. Or don't even put anything on it. Just put that envelope in there and drop it on this table. And we'll know that you're praying for these things that God has called us as a church to do. Right? So listen, there's, everybody has an opportunity to participate. It is, you, even if it's not financially, you can do it through prayers. Right? Then after you drop that, um, that envelope on this table, and that's just to help us collect them a little bit later... Well, I want you to just go back to your seat. And there's going to be some prayer prompts on the screen. That I means you're just going to keep praying or playing. And there's going to be some things that pop up about every 10 seconds for you to pray for. Right? All related to what God has called us to do. Very little financial, but all about the craftsmen that God has prepared. And, and praying that God prepares certain people and certain ones of us to do certain things. And so then after all of those go through, I'll come over and I'll close this in a word of prayer. Right? So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking. There's your instructions. If you have questions, this altar's open. Um, I'll be there for the cross. I'll talk to you about anything that you need to talk to. I'll pray with you about anything. But let's simply respond to what God has laid on our hearts. And, and the, if God has prompted you, then you respond how God has done that. Let's respond to God this morning.